Hello and welcome to this episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. It's been a dry, long summer, so we're thankful that autumn has arrived and so has some rain. Grass is greening up, borders are taking on their mellow patina and trees are preparing for their winter slumber, but not before the foliage fireworks begins. Autumn is a time to rejoice in all the year's hard work, slap yourself on the back and enjoy the final few weeks of beauty in the garden. It's also a prime time in the kitchen garden and allotment as pumpkins, potatoes and the last of the peas and beans are harvested and enjoyed as temperatures dip and the nights draw in. So with tales of how Lucy and I and our hard-working gardening teams are preparing for the last hurrah of the gardening year, join us as we delve into the autumn spectacle in the life of the modern head gardener. Well, hello, everybody, to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast. I have to say, I hope that I'm going to steer Saul through this episode. Please. I've been speaking to him for the last 20 minutes. He's he's not a broken man, but he's he's flagging a bit because the poor chap's been poorly. And he's coming out the other side of it now. But I'm sensing you need a bit of sugar or something just to get you going. I do. A little bit of sugar. That would really help. And you also need batteries in my zoom recorder ah. do you mind pressing <laughs> do you mind pressing pause no not at all Saul has just gone to get some batteries I think this is a metaphor because his batteries have run out and so have his zoom recorders so oh he's back he's back okay right go you're back yes I'm back <laughs> sorry a slight delay there because the batteries had run out and I knew that 15 minutes in we'd be uh, completely scuppered but Yes, back. Don't you back. worry about it. It's not a problem at all. I'm going to hold your hand through tonight's episode. Um, Thank you. <laughs> we'll it's all get going there. wrong. We'll get there. Don't you worry about it. So, well, I, let me talk about my week. I, we were just talking off air, as we always do, and have a little natter. Sometimes we natter for mm. a good half hour. We think we should have pressed the record button and got an episode under our belt. But hey ho, yeah. <laughs> talk talking heads uncut or raw or something <laughs> exactly. like that. I don't know exactly. Uh, but yeah, I have got uh, a real packed week this week and I'm literally just going to try and get myself to the end of it mm. get everything done that I need to get done um keep the family alive keep the dog and the cat wet, fed and watered and if I can do that by come Saturday evening uh, I'm, I'm gonna think that that's a success so so there we go that so sounds like it so I had a writing deadline yesterday that I had to hit uh so I had to be really kind of like uh, on it and I also had some other bits and bobs to do and then today I've had a, a lovely photo shoot with a gardening magazine which was really exciting hey. and lovely tonight we've got this wonderful recording going on mm. and then tomorrow which is wednesday i'm off to alting wick to help out philippa borough because she's in betwixt uh gardeners at the moment so uh and she's lo- quite relatively local to me about 35 40 minutes away depending on which way the wind's blowing and mm. yeah so i'm so excited to be helping her out in her garden at the time when it's shining uh, if you've ever been to alting wick you'll know that come the autumn it's full of lovelies dahlias exotics lushness jungle well jung- so you've been there you absolutely love it for yes. the exotics so it's a it's a lovely garden i gotta say because it's a mix isn't it and i know that philippa takes great great pride as well over her garden so um mm. yeah she's just had um many people will know um lou in the industry she's just had her leave mm-hmm. and uh our good friend of ours matt oliver 
has literally just left Hyde Hall and is going to become yeah. her new senior gardener. So yeah. exciting times for Altingwick. It is very exciting for them all. I think it's uh, I think exciting for Lou because she's got a really exciting project to get her teeth into because she's going on to a garden that I believe needs some, some works and renovations. So that's really exciting for her. Matt coming from Hyde Hall and, you know, immersed fully in veg can now immerse himself much more into ornamentals as well as edibles as well. So I think that's going to be really nice for them and then tomorrow I'm at the I'm at the hall and Friday as well so uh, and yeah then I've, I've got some garden media guild stuff to do in the evenings tomorrow night and the night after so it's just a jam-packed week which does sometimes happen in our industry when especially when you're freelancing and you're spinning lots of plates everything can come at once and um I say if I can get if I can get through it unscathed and having completed all those things then that will be successful lots of solid gardening in there which is it's quite nice, isn't oh. it, for you? I guess you've been sort yeah. of you've sort of been juggling juggling family commitments for a bit. So that sounds very horticultural week for you. It's nice to do that. It's, yes, yeah, juggling family and juggling work. I've discovered is a an art form that I'm I, I'm not thriving at. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm again I'm learning an awful lot, and um, I'm getting by, you know. And I think I'll probably get better as as the, the weeks and months go past. But uh, yeah, it's it's all go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that you've you've been poorly. That that is. Sad. Yeah, so... my, my week is, uh, well, Nick came home from the hospital last Friday with something completely horrible and spent most of the week, uh, most of the last four days in bed and I'm on the tail end. To be honest, I've probably not suffered as badly as her, so I'm not going to rub that in. Sorry, Nick. But um, yeah, my voice is, um, it's it's okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to speak softly into the microphone mm-hmm. because uh, I'm off to uh, give the guests speaking spot at the Southwest Britain and Bloom Awards know, on wow. Thursday, very exciting. which is yeah, very exciting. It'll yeah, be interesting well to see the Britain in, in Bloom folk, uh, led amiably by Mr. John Wheatley and Terry Porter, who are good friends of ours, who grow magnificent veg. If you've ever been to BBC Gardeners World Live or Chelsea or anywhere that you've seen their displays, you will know that they really can grow display veg. To the best quality. They're probably the best in the country at doing that kind of thing, aren't they? They are. If you, if you go to any of the big shows and you've looked at any of the vegetable gardens with amazement, you'll be looking at John and Terry's work. Mm. And they're very modest men. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're absolutely expert at what they do. Um, Terry's the, definitely grows great veg and John's fantastic at putting the whole display together. They're meticulous in their approach. And, and that is why they're so great at what they do. So... And then I say as lovely. I think that's fantastic that you're going to give the the leading speech at the Britain in Bloom for the Southwest. So well done you. That's a really lovely thing to have under your belt. So I think I hope it goes yeah. really well. Well, I mean, I've just started my talk season. I decided last year that I wasn't going to do talks all the year round. I was just going to do them in the sort of late autumn, winter, early spring period because I've just got more time on my and it's dark in the evenings as well. So I won't be out in my own garden. Mm. So talk season has just started. I've already done about five. The only problem with doing them for only like five months of the year is you, that's quite compressed schedule. Yeah. So like you, I am balancing many plates while <laughs> still trying to do the, the day job. But yeah, no, it's good fun. I do I do enjoy the talks. And then on Saturday, we've got the first meeting of the Devon Professional Gardeners Group, wow. which me and a fellow uh, um, uh, garden educator actually has, has set up. And we're going to be at Rosemore. Mm. We've got 30 professional gardeners coming and we're going to have some talks. And hopefully it'll be a good networking event. You know, mm. we love networking on this podcast. We think it's essential. Yeah. So bringing the county's gardeners, north, south, east, west together, That'll hopefully be a really nice day. So yeah, packed packed old few days for me. 
Uh, I'm really hoping my voice doesn't uh, pack up. <laughs> that would be that'd be terrible. Not terrible for most people, just terrible for me. <laughs> not, it would it would be um, a little bit of a, a difficulty for the task that you have ahead of you. To be honest, That's if your true. voice packs up, so so yeah, let's let's fingers and fingers and legs crossed that the Lemsip. Uh, I I do feel that the cocktail of Lemsip. Aspirin and uh, lemon juice and whiskey is is one that's uh, been mentioned to me in the past and actually is, you know, worth worth a dabble. Sounds lethal. <laughs> it's kill or, kill or cure. One of those things, isn't it? <laughs> so. It certainly is. Oh. Yeah. Now you've had a frost. Well, you always had a frost this week, which I, mm. I I'm completely bemused sometimes in the West Country because I read Twitter and I read things and people have talked about minus temperatures and having to put things in greenhouses mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here in my shorts no i'm not not literally sitting in my shorts but it was got down to something like yeah i only got something down to something like eight degrees um I, oh right. you, yeah no we had you got uh, quite cold we got to two degrees last night so we didn't quite cool. get the frost but i i still no. had to get my insetti and my muser and some other, other bits and bobs in that were a little bit i've got some of your impatiens that you gave me i've got that in and some gingers i thought well and brugmansias they're they're all you know, having a little bit of a, a time under glass whilst this cold snap is here. Yeah. I do think, again, it's going to dip back up again. The temperatures are going to go back into more sort of like um, milder. Yeah, yeah. not quite. Yeah, I think it's still going to be single figures, but we're talking maybe sort of like seven, eights and nines, which is not so okay. not so panicky. But yeah, last night we had to run out. Ian sat there and said, do you, do you know it's going to get really cold tonight? I was like, oh, I, I'd missed that. So we dashed out under torchlight and got some plants <laughs> in the green. House. dedication that is dedication for well, you you know i'm glad i could be lazy here and just forget about <laughs> it i will have to remember at some point to stick the polytunnels up but i think i've got about two or three weeks grace i'm hoping yeah please well, weather gods don't, I was don't let out. me down i was caught out last night completely so um so it did come from nowhere but uh we was i was saying with some colleagues today that actually it's nice to have a, a we're having a some decent autumn weather i think we've had some amazing october days um lovely unbroken sunshine and clear blue skies and up into the high teens and then at night we're having these you know real cold snap at the moment so for me that's the ideal recipe for great autumn colors you know there's not yeah. been a gust of, of of wind at all so right fingers and legs crossed down this way in essex we might have some wonderful autumn colors to, they're just starting to appear so okay you know, Fingers crossed. We've got a lot of brown, so I'm looking forward to seeing some carotenoids and anthocyanins and all the other pigments that we want to see instead. Yeah, definitely some reds and uh, and yellows. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the with the very dry summer, where mm. the the trees just and the shrubs just say, "Well, you know, you're asking little too bit much. of colour." Yeah. yeah, you're asking too much <laughs> of us this year. We're just going to lose our leaves. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if it's a. I, I have a feeling it's not going to be a classic autumn, but. Mm. Um, you know, like you say, a few a few reds and yellows and oranges won't go amiss, uh, especially just before the fireworks. Now, uh, talking of fireworks, we have a few people to thank. Nice. As ever on the uh, buy me a coffee or buy me a plant, as we have phrased it. Um, uh, so three people have generously donated to this podcast and we always are very grateful. Yes, we are. Uh, Thank you. The, the first one is uh, Manuel. I hope I've got your name right. That's. I, I have a feeling that might be one of our overseas listeners. So... Thank you, Manuel. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Ben. Now, Ben has donated three times. What's wrong with you, Ben? Wow, have you ben. got a problem? That's, uh, that's lovely. Thank you. But Ben's message also says he's just taken delivery of Malabar spinach seeds. What? Oh, Ben, you, you superstar. He's been paying attention. You won't regret it, Ben. 
No, you won't. Please, yeah, send us some pictures next year when those come up. And then the the last person is Ian. And now Ian has, uh, well, really enjoys the show. And he's trying to get his daughter to listen because she's just started her gardening career. So fingers crossed, Ian, that works for you. And if you are Ian's daughter, good luck (laughs) because you've just joined the best job on the planet. Exactly. You've made the right decision in Very life. Very <laughs> sensible choice. You're going to have a wonderful life ahead of you if that's the route you're going to take. So well done. Well done. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you to those three as ever. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got an, an interesting topic tonight. Every week we have a little chat and work out whether we're going to have a topic to discuss or whether we're going to just wing it and do, <laughs> give you some top horticultural waffle. So we're, we're doing a bit of both tonight. But um, yeah. we would like to talk about being thrifty and saving money. Now... When Saul suggested this to me, the topic, I'm like, that's right up my street. I'm na- by nature, I'm quite a thrifty person, and I think a lot of gardeners are because we're so used yeah. to being practical people and the make do and mend mentality, which thank goodness is having a resurgence. I'm so so pleased that it's having a resurgence. And also, let's be honest, horticultural salaries aren't the biggest, um, so we often don't have loads of money to chuck at things. And so, yeah, I think it's a it's and it's very timely. Obviously, we do know that um, the cost of living is uh, is going up and maybe salaries across the, the nation are not going up in line with that and inflation's doing strange things so yeah you know our, our purse strings are being ever squeezed and tightened so let's talk about how you can save some money in your garden big or small yeah I, so so what you this is your idea so you you go forward with your with your with your first well, one i was gonna say gardening and i've said this to a lot of people is uh is a uh, a money it can be it can be a money pit because at the end of the day you just put money into it you don't get any money back but you get the joy of gardening don't yeah. you at the end of the day so it's like all hobbies it's the ending for all that money that you've earned that sort of place where you you spend but you don't have to spend you don't there are ways of saving money so um the first one that i want to talk about and this is one that i think especially if you're new to this business if you if you're a new head gardener or, or you're a new sole trader out there is to access the trade prices mm. uh, or your suppliers uh, lots of people especially if you're buying in um, relatively small quantities um, usually have to go to the retailers and it's usually a fair whack actually we're talking things like bulbs seeds um, machinery all kinds of stuff if you can build up a relationship with your supplier, you can usually then access trade yeah. prices. It's worth asking. Um, this is especially uh, a good time this year when you're looking at your bulb orders is to talk to your bulb house and see if they do give you that service. And you only have to be working in the industry. So a head gardener or uh, a self-employed gardener, and you'll be able to access a trade account and then order the bulbs. And I tell you what, it can be quite a good saving, up to almost a third off the prices. The, the same goes for uh, the wholesalers. Rather than going to, say, the garden centre, if you need a lot of hedging or a certain amount of plants, especially if you've got a big scheme to plant up, it's worth approaching some of the wholesalers. Sometimes they will be able to supply you out of their catalogue rather than them supplying the big businesses. So it's worth Mm. asking. And again, the prices can be quite considerably cheaper, especially if you're buying in bulk. So aim to go for those trade accounts rather than always buying retail. Do you know, that's brilliant advice. And I have done, well, I remember when I first had the opportunity to set up a trade account 
because I'd not done it before. I'd been, as I say, I'd been working obviously and then working for magazines and we had magazine budgets and it was a sort of a slightly different beast. But then working as a professional gardener and working at the hall and having access to wholesalers, the wholesale catalogue, uh, pouring over a wonderful wholesale catalogue, whether it be LBS Horticulture or Rights is one that we yep. use a lot. Um, there's there's loads out there. It's like, um, I love doing that. It's like uh, it just taps into something. You can see all the sundries and the pots and the kit and the things and you can just choose and it and and that in itself is very exciting putting together your first big order and as you say the discounts are, are absolutely fantastic so it's it's definitely well worth doing I, i'm the one that i'm going to talk about is a, a a similar way of saving a significant amount of money uh and this might be because i live in a rural setting uh so bear with me but i love the system of bartering where no money changes hands, but I'm talking about bartering your skills. So, for example, we have done this quite a few times because where I live, uh, we're renovating our house and we're renovating uh, bits of the garden that we haven't got the capacity to put together ourselves. They require a lot more landscaping and that kind of stuff. Many times we have traded a few hours gardening in someone's garden for an electrician to come over and do some rewiring for us or someone to do some plastering. So we then go and do some gardening in their plot. And... That, to me, is a fantastic way of accessing something that could cost you a fair few hundred or thousand pounds, these big um, domestic jobs that need to be done. You haven't got the skills to do them, but you have got skills that you can offer someone else. Everyone loves gardening. Everyone, yeah. everyone needs a gardener. So put yourself out there. Don't be embarrassed to ask because a lot of people, are, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way to, to exchange skills. Yeah, and... There's always something in the garden which is beyond the gardener. So electrical, plumbing, mm. some sort of hard landscaping sometimes. Yeah. There are people with the skills out there and then they may need your skills. So you're right, that exchange of skills. And I think that's going to be something, not just in gardening, I just think in general life that's going to become more relevant, especially as the, the money starts getting crunched, as we, we start uh, seeing our margins shrink and inflation rise. Um, yeah. One of the things I want to talk about now... The, I wouldn't highly recommend this for everyone, but if you're of a mechanical frame of mind, if you've got that skill set and you've just got a bit of, you know, uh, I don't know, gumption to do it, it's worth learning how to service and maintain your own machinery. Now, I've been mm. doing this ever since I'm at Stonelands, uh, mostly because I'm quite interested in how machines work. That's the probably the boy in me that's quite interested in taking things apart and putting them back together again. And I've got to say, servicing a two-stroke machine, let's talk about two strokes, so your chainsaws or your hedge trimmers or things, incredibly easy to do yourselves. Mm. You know, changing the air filters, giving everything a clean out, taking the carburetor apart, incredibly easy to do, actually. And the great thing is we've got the internet these days, uh, especially YouTube. Yeah. can actually show you how to do these specific things, almost down to the specific uh, models that you've got. Now, I wouldn't recommend every, you know, I don't go tinkering with my tractor all the time although i would like to try and do an oil change on it i don't think that's going to be too hard he says uh and then the tractor's ruined for the rest of the year but um you know it's worth having a look at what machines and for small parts you know like changing blades on certain things or just changing out small switches or fuses etc it's well worth learning how your machinery works because sending them off to a machine shop it's quite expensive. The parts may be cheap, but the labour is incredibly expensive. And that's where you come in. You're doing the, the, the labour part. 
I'll also say if your machine's in warranty, don't go playing around with them because you'll invalidate the warranty straight away. So this is more for when you've got older machines like we have had 10, 15 years. Um, but it's quite fascinating to do and it will save you quite a bit of money in the long run. Yeah, yeah. I know you do this because there's been a couple of times I've phoned you and you've been underneath a mower. And uh, you literally have a conversation and you're lying on the on a workshop floor somewhere. And that's a wonderful mental image in my head. So and Usually some, some, some fruity language occurs when <laughs> I either bang my head or something starts breaking. I know. I have, to be, I have to be very careful who I'm in the room with when I speak to Saul if he's under the mower. Because there's, yeah. <laughs> I, there's, there's a few bits on our, uh, I won't mention the model and the make and things, but there's some bits where you have to have the hands the size of a small child in order to access the parts that you need to. Don't know yeah. who designed some of these bits, but um, yeah, oh, well, obviously very young children, so yeah, with tiny exactly. hands. So uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, again, we are so lucky. Our neighbour, wonderful chap Ian, uh, and his wife Teresa, they actually service mowers for a living. So we are very, very blessed in that we have access to our neighbours who he he won't just lend his hand to mowers; it will be strimmers and chainsaws and bits and bobs. And, we, and like you say, sharpening the blade of uh, a hedge cutter. My gosh, you know, it makes such a difference. With, you know, we've just had hedge cutting season. I've just, you no, know, much more basic. I've just dubbed my boots and I've serviced my secateurs, given them, a, you know, dismantled them, got the old sharpening stone out and my camellia oil and given them a, a nice sharp and got all the sap off. And that kind of thing is, is very, very satisfying and cathartic mm. to do. Um, yeah, so definitely, again, a really good way of, of saving some cash. So, And, you know, also that's a really good activity for the winter months. Um, because the weather can be inclement. You might have days where you are rained off yeah. and you need to be in the workshop, you know, and, and there's only so many times you can clean all the pots, clean the labels, sweep the workshop out. So actually it's a very useful activity for the upcoming uh, cooler, wetter months. So yeah, really, really do echo your sentiments on that. One thing I love to do, uh, amongst many, many things, and this again is a really good way of saving some money, is going to... A market we've got. I live just outside Colchester. It's got a fantastic old auction uh, market, like it's called the cattle market. You go there every Saturday, and people have been clearing out their sheds. They've got loads of loads of lovely old tools with the handles. Yeah. The wooden handles have already been worn in. You can see the hand yeah. marks. You can see the you know the the chunks that we're something's accidentally caught and there's 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 wedges taken out of it. But they've got character. They've got charm. They've got tactility. They are. But, you know, buying old tools is such a satisfying thing to do. It, as I say, it's conserving, it's upcycling, it's ticking all those wonderful boxes. I don't know if you watch Repair Shop. I actually, I ooze over Repair Shop. That program I think is fantastic. <laughs> and this is a great way of, if you have some tools that you need replacing, yes, you can buy new. I'm not saying don't buy new, but why not take a moment to just see what is at your local, as I say, your, you know, local cattle auction or whatever, or market, whatever it might be, because... They can cost. They can cost a lot. You can spend a lot of money on hand tools. You really, really can. So why not get one for two, three quid instead? Get a sharp edge on it. All you need is a sharpening stone or, or a file or something like that. Uh, it can be good as new. You can get some decent tools actually mm. from these places, and also quirky. some quite unusual tools. Yes, uh, we were discussing hoes last week mm. of our things we've learned, and actually finding some of the old types of hoe in those is quite interesting. Also, great place to find containers, old terracotta pots, mm -hmm. yeah, things like that. I have done because that. Yeah, I tell you what, terracotta and pots are getting more and more expensive, new, and trying to find old pots. And this goes not just for um, in person marketplaces but check out gumtree or check yes. out ebay or things like marketplace that marketplace on facebook yeah that's it you'll be surprised what people are trying to get rid of and and 
the prices can be quite decent. Um, now, I'm going to sort of go in a very similar vein, but instead I'm going to recommend, and uh, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big society, plant society, garden club guy. Uh, I am least chair of three and I attend about five a month because I love them. Uh, and that's not just to meet the people, get the lectures, etc. But there's a really great, most of them do really good plant stalls mm -hmm. where yeah. members bring in plants to sell for pretty much rock bottom prices. And they can be quite good plants as well because they're all really good plants, people. Mm. Now, you usually have to pay subs to get into these clubs. It's no more, well, the, my Hardy Plant Society is £5 for the whole year. You get, what? Bargain. Eight, eight lectures, eight meetings. That's incredible. And, exactly. And you get to uh, purchase things at the plant store. You also yeah. get to take your own plants and make a little bit of money. Yeah. So then... Generally, that all goes back into buying plants. But, you know, it's still <laughs> cost neutral at the end of the day. But, um, you know, whereas leisure activities are just going to get more and more expensive. Have you seen how much it costs to go to the cinema these days, for example? You know, you know. You sound for, a bit like an old man saying that. I'm just going to point I am. <laughs> for, for less, for less than the price of a cinema ticket, you can have a whole year at my uh, Devon Hardy Plant Society. So Amazing. it may not see, it may be a, a small outlay. But actually, for what you're guessing, it's quite uh, cheap. And you get to, again, network, meet lots of uh, gardeners. So mm. there's another way of just saving a little bit of money and doing something enjoyable at the weekends. Well, I'm going to go in big. I'm going in big again here because I think this can save you a lot of money. Um, oh. Okay, so propagation. Yes. Propagation. Got that. It's on my list. Oh, he's got another paper list. No, I wasn't going to mention it, but he's, he's brought it up. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, propagation. Oh my goodness. Now yes. is a great time or in the next couple of months, hardwood cuttings. Yep. So things I've propagated so many gooseberries via that method. I know we don't need loads of gooseberries, but I'm thinking of other plants. So things like semi-ripe cuttings of box, for example. If you've got us like a, a propagator with a little bit of bottom heap, semi-ripe cuttings of, of box or heel cuttings, with, uh, they root brilliantly. So if you want to do some box and it's can be very expensive to buy so that's a fantastic thing to do my parents beach hedge that they've got at home that now is looking it's splendid it must be about 10 years old if not more than that they grew the whole lot from seed from beach mast mm. and it looks amazing and now we're talking about a run that's a good 30 40 meters long so and it was all just grown from free seed uh, you know, yeah, yes, you holly, have, to have you, holly, and you, you yeah. can do that from uh, from seed as well. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great idea. And then any spares you can take down that garden club and sell, or exactly. you know, to your local car boot or something. So, mm. no, propagation was well on my list. Anything you grow from seed is going to be far cheaper than buying plants in uh, next year. Yeah, especially annuals, especially you know perennials as well. M far cheaper by seed. Yeah, propagation mm. number one. Um. My my next one is uh, well, it's going to be interesting because um, I, I think, and it's quite interesting because this sort of ties in with how this year has been in general in terms of saving water. Uh, there's loads of the you know saving water is going to be a massive issue for us for the future mm. for lots of different reasons. But I think the one thing we've got to think about is our planting styles and how we do them for the future. And I think the one thing we're going to be looking at more is permanent planting. Gardening has been full of a lot of temporary displays. And I don't think the temporary display is going away. Mm. I just think it's going to be toned down a little bit more. Um, you know, we used to, in this country, have absolutely huge temporary displays in our parks. 
uh, our public gardens, huge bedding schemes. It used to be a real big thing. Yeah. But I think we're figuring out, well, the, I, I know the councils definitely are because they're scaling back on this kind of planting all over because it is quite expensive. It's also quite energy and water intensive as well. Yeah. So I think we need to be thinking more about permanent plantings, uh, especially... I, I think the future is this hybrid where the most of our bedding displays are made up of permanent plantings or plantings that we can take out and put in every year. Um, and then the rest of it will be these, the annual bedding. So I think to save a, a little bit of money, we must start thinking about making more herbaceous beds and less of these temporary displays. I, I, I don't mean they're going to be gone completely, but I just think they're not going to be on the scale that they used to be. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I've, I've got quite a lot of ideas and I'm very mindful of the time, so I'm going to zip through two or three of them and then end on my mm. favourite, which you will be no surprise to you, so when you realise what it is. <laughs> um, one thing I was going to say is just don't buy on autopilot. Don't think, oh, okay, it's this time of year, we need to buy the such and such, okay? Because you might find you've already got a box of such and such that didn't get used. I mean, we, a classic yeah. is like this time of year, the lawns, we, we've, we've been uh, scarifying and, and we're going to be feeding up the lawns. Now, uh, someone previous to us on the site must have just every year re religiously kept buying the same old packet of, of, of lawn fertiliser. We've got stacks of the stuff we don't need anymore. <laughs> so we're going to use that up. We're not going to spend 20 quid on a big bag. We're going to just save our pennies. So yeah. I say, don't just, every time you think, when you're buying something think do i really need it do i really need it because it's just such a knee-jerk response sometimes sweet peas trust me don't go out and buy another packet of sweet peas i bet you've all got a packet <laughs> of sweet peas a few seeds somewhere in the back of your seed packet yeah i do this thing i buy new sweet peas and i go in and i think god i've got about three open packets here use up your seeds first yeah before yeah. you buy more well then my next one is very similar to vein to that uh, and i've just been doing this at my own home uh keep using your your bulbs use your spring flowering bulbs uh they're, they're all there mine sit in pots uh, and i lend put them at the back of the greenhouse let them dry off all through the summer and into the autumn and then this time of year i just knock them out check them over for uh, for rots and make sure they're sound and big and plump and we use them i've saved myself a good 25 pounds doing that i don't have a huge big display of bulbs but I, I i get satisfaction from keeping them going some things aren't so successful we all know that tulips generally do flower best in their first year but my old tulips just go on my allotment now but lots of narcissi crocus i find crocus come back really well year on year so Yes, buy some new ones. I'm not saying don't buy new ones because it's such fun, but also keeping them year on year is very, very enjoyable. If you want more reliable tulips year after year, these Darwin types, I know I bleat on about them. Are you but sponsored they are really, by these? <laughs> may, probably, I don't know, but they, they're also very reliable year on year, I'm told. So yeah, Great. try those. Yeah, and another one that I think you will enjoy is uh, make as much compost as you possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought you might. That might be leaning oh, on an open door with you there. So. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, make as much compost as... Uh, compost, mulching, we've gone about mulching so mm. much, but making your own compost is so... It is so easy if you just get the fundamentals right and the routines right. It's not tricky at all and you just save you know we're all gonna have to go peat free peat free uh, for the um non-commercial market the consumer market will be uh banned i think in 2024 so we've only got a couple of mm. years till that's going to happen and we all we're going to have to switch to peat free peat free compost is never going to be cheap because it needs a lot of processes to go through i tell you what is cheap making your own and yes. just using it on a day-to-day -day basis you know. And also, I, I think the next big thing, and now this subject has been squished down by 
the gardening press, the, the garden media for years. It's not been governed as important or sexy or attractive or anything, and it's just boring. Soil health. Yeah. Soil health. And I've no, I feel that there's an upsurge now. People are realizing that having a healthy soil, a living healthy soil is so important and making your own compost is fundamental to that. So that I've watched this space. I do think that's going to be such a hot topic in years to come. And it's going to be something that we're going to learn about and we'll reap the rewards of that. Now, Saul, have you got anything else? Come on, because I've got one big one I want to finish on. But you go first. The- the only one I wanted to say is that talking, we've talked about the peat free. There is also the environmental aspect of plastic pots. Mm. Now, I know that me and Lucy always say that there are a lot of plastic pots in the world. We're not going to get away from it. But the key thing is, is to keep reusing them. I had that. Decent, yeah. mm. decent plastic pots can be used year after year. I must have some that are now 20 years old, yep. still going. Trays as well. Mm-hmm. Trays is a massive one. People throw them out all the time, but they're fantastic for making module seed sowing, both for your annuals or for your veg. But just keep them going year after year. If you want to wash them out, you can. I don't tend to because I've got so many, but you know, you can use them year, to, year after year and they, you know, they keep on giving. Um, I know you can get these more uh, sort of um, ones that compostable types and things, which you use for one or two Mm. years. Yeah. And those are great. But if you just keep reusing plastic pots, then you'll be able to sell for yourself this sort of environmental credibility with them as you keep going. Yeah. It's reusable plastic, reusable, recyclable plastic. If you've got it already, keep on using it. Mm. Like I said, in my shed, I've got modular trays that I must have used for, I'd say, probably a couple of decades it's fr- mm. it's amazing how long if they're well looked after they will keep for so yeah keep using them yeah yeah am i okay to end yep. on a an unsurprising subject <laughs> grow your own a food. oh sorry i thought it was a <laughs> well, just grow your own <laughs> food you know what and i uh, because i'm going to talk about specifically saving money yeah i'm talking about crops that when you try and buy them in the the shops, the supermarkets, the farmers' markets, wherever you buy your food from, the food box schemes, whatever it might be, they normally cost a bomb. Butternut squashes, they cost a lot of money, but oh, my yeah. God, they are easy to grow. Little cherry toms, you know, the punnets of those people can get through in the summer. Grow your own. Cucumbers, there again, they can be expensive. Courgettes, we have them en masse. We can grow so many. Okay, they might not cost a lot in the shop, but normally you get through a lot of them. Herbs, you know, anything like big bunches of basil or chervil or dill or whatever it might be. Grow your own. Garlic, now is key garlic planting time. God, again, you know, it's so simple and straightforward and just quick to break the clove into individual heads, bung them in the soil, in the sunny spot. Bosh, job done. Uh, Raspberries, blueberries, currants, all those soft fruits, gooseberries. Please think about buying a shrub, a bush, a cane. The, The amount of raspberries I've got of my canes this year is ridiculous. And then if you go to try and buy them in the shops, they have a price tag. I don't know why that is not flagged up more. You can save so much money by growing your own fruit and it's abundant. My freezer is full of homegrown fruit. So I'm exhausted after that. I got quite excited. I don't know if you noticed, but now I've crashed. So... (laughs) Well, it's a hundred. It's hundreds and hundreds of pounds, yeah. literally hundreds and hundreds of pounds you can save by growing your own veg. And I will just add: learn to preserve, pickle, can, yeah. and jar your yep. own stuff as well, because you'd be amazed what you can save for the whole winter in terms of of growing and into that hungry gap as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I think we get a few tips there. So you're going to save lots of money next year. Send that all to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
no, no, I, I'm not trying to attract more business. No, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully you'll be able to save a little bit of money. The good thing about gardening is, is there's lots of opportunities to do it. And it's all fun stuff to do, whether it's you growing your own, whether it's the propagating, whether it's going out to that car boot to find your new favourite spade. You know, these aren't laborious tasks. They're mm. not going to make your life any worse. They're probably going to improve your life. So get out there next year, get a bit of gardening and save a little money. And can I just add, Saul... I think your batteries have been recharged in this half hour. I've seen your energy levels go up and up, so I hope everyone else has noticed that too. And maybe your energy levels have gone up as well. Another episode is at an end, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to us chat about how we approach our gardening lives. As the year progresses, we'll bring more of our unique brand of horticultural waffle as we continue to chronicle the end of 22 garden season and peek ever more into what 2023 will bring us. If you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on your social media platform. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Headgardener LC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, at Headgardener LC. If you so feel inclined, you can even support us via our Buy Me A Coffee webpage. Find the link at the bottom of this podcast episode description. As our gardening clothing changes and adapts with the decreasing temperatures and increasing rain showers, so the garden evolves over the autumn and crescendos into a massive spectacle of burnt oranges and magnificent reds. It's a time for enjoying the efforts we've made over the past many months in our gardens and to start those exciting plans for next year. The garden is an ever-changing tapestry that makes the most exciting of jobs. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Bye! <laughs>